0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Powerhouse Lounge for another exciting edition, another great episode with me, your host, James Kemp. Yes, we're on episode eight, and boy, do I have a great one lined up for you. I have been curating so much great music. As you heard in episode seven, we had uh, Corey Voss of the Hugs and Hannah Demo of her own project, the Hannah and... uh, and man, I I love that those interviews. Those are fun, you know. Before that episode, we had episode six, which was uh, the Skullface Project and the Shady Pines Media slash Shady Pines Radio crew, uh, Callie and Brian. So we're just rolling right through these, man, and we're rolling right into the the radio show as well. The late shift with me, James Kemp, right here on Shady Pines Media Radio Station, Shady Pines. Radio.com. And uh, we're on from uh, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. in the morning on Mondays. So if you're uh, catching this for the first time and you're wondering what's happening overnights on this radio station on a Monday, you can always catch me on the late shift. And uh, we, we have a lot of great stuff. Uh, as a part of that show, but this podcast, it, that that show wouldn't be possible without this podcast, and this podcast is something amazing, uh, all the way way back to the very first one, uh, and all the way to this one, and we're just going to keep this train rolling. But the only way this train keeps rolling and stays on the tracks is with great sponsors. Uh, my main sponsor uh, definitely is Fat Bull Clothing. Fat Bull Farms. Fat Bull Clothing is a caniculture music clothing. It's a lifestyle clothing company out of California, uh, mainly out of Humboldt County and Arcata, California. And they are, they, they've been a part of my life since 2014. I'm very close with uh, Beast Wislow, who you heard all the way back on episode three. He's one of the owners, along with Christopher Boa, uh, right down to their art director, Lauren. And I I love these guys more than anything. They're family, and they treat me real well. If you're ever in Arcata, California, off a of G Street, and you want to run into their main store, you can always find their tagging supplies, disc golf supplies, clothing. Yes, that's mainly what they do is clothing. Uh, they have hats, T-shirts, tanks, uh Women's clothes, kids' clothes, men's clothes. If you're looking for vinyl as a DJ to maybe play something new, they maybe have some of that for you. Like I said, they have a mix of everything, custom printing. I mentioned Fatball Farms. Fatball Farms is an extension of Fatball Clothing. Fatball Farms is the caniculture side of things and the cannabis side. They have a, uh, a wonderful selection of cannabis all the way down to uh, custom rolling papers from select artists. So uh, check them out. They, they have everything you need. And I I would not put them on my show if they weren't good to me. And they treat me really well. And they treat this show very well. So I, I, a bunch of love to them. Uh, Vortex Music Magazine. They've been a part of this thing from the very beginning. And they really uh, have taken care of me as well. They... Uh, they're a great music magazine out of the Pacific Northwest, Portland mainly, and man, the, the artists that they cover, they have a range. They have great writers. They have great photographers, and they just – they support the show. I support them, and if you want to check out that stuff, go to vrtxmag.com, com. Fatball clothing, fatbowlclothing.com, or I mean uh, and you know, check them out. I also have another couple of great sponsors. I have Austin Randall Music and Rock, a- Rock Academy PDX. Rock Academy PDX is a, another great uh, avenue for music. Rock Academy PDX caters to uh, teaching kids music, and Austin Randall of Austin Randall Music puts that on. He uh, teaches kids; he, you know, he gives them skills of how to be a, a guitar player, a musician, and if you want gr- a great teacher go to Rock Academy PDX, uh, talk to Austin, Austin will hook it up. And then we are still trying to get this unofficial beer sponsor of ours to really become a sponsor, and I'm pushing and prodding hard and trying and trying and trying, and, well, hopefully we'll get there. But uh, Barrel Mountain Brewery out of Battleground, Washington, man, they have one of the finest beer selections uh, here in the Pacific, Pacific Northwest. I can't even talk this episode. I don't even know what's going on with me. Uh, but they have one of the greatest beer selections in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we're Beer and Adventure Meet. My favorite is the No Bad Days IPA, six point three. It's perfect. Like that. Their motto is amazing because you know we're Beer and Adventure Meet, and boy, their beer is an adventure in your mouth. Like my uh, podcast is an adventure to your ears, and we are going to get right into it. First of all. Thank you again, Shady Pines Radio, for giving this podcast life and continuing to support us. And we love you, and I can't do this without you guys. So I love our lineup. We have some great guests. We have a lot of cool stuff. Um, and just check us out, ShadyPinesRadio.com. And they, I'm glad to have them presenting this show. So this episode of the Powerhouse Lounge, my lounge listeners, as a hip-hop show. Yes, you know how I love to delve into the hip-hop and different stuff. And, well, this one is a little close to home. One one of them is really close to home. Uh, Nak One, uh, he's a Humboldt County hip-hop artist. He comes from a very, very strong background in hip-hop music. And then the second interview is straight up is uh, Real Life out of Tacoma. And that dude and I have a couple of uh, stories to tell. And, and it, these interviews are great. I, I hope you enjoy them as much as I did. We'll kick a couple songs. I'll introduce the songs and we'll just roll, roll, roll right into this show. No more kicking uh, dirt in your face and making you hear my mouth. Go, go, go. Let's just jump right into this interview with Knack one Ladies and gentlemen, I'd love to welcome you back in to the Powerhouse Lounge. I'm so excited for my next guest. And I know you hear me say that a lot. I'm excited for every guest. But this one, oh my gosh, guys, I can't tell you enough about this next this next guest. Uh, he's a 20-plus 20, 20 year veteran in the rap game. He is a true rap cat from the Bay Area. He's cut his teeth in multiple projects with multiple uh, – hip-hop families and hip-hop crews and he's a true b-boy to to the core he's a phenomenal artist uh, not just as a musician but as someone who can draw I've seen some of his uh his tagging and some of his work phenomenal all the way around um he's a part of my fat bull family uh that I met him through Brian Swislow who you heard on episode three and we we just have gelled since and we haven't really had a good opportunity to work together, but I've had a chance to pick his brain on the offhand that we've met up, and we've had a chance to talk. Uh, I'd love to welcome on uh, NAC1. What's up, NAC?
1: Hey, man. What's good?
0: Dude, I'm so happy to have you. It's so good to hear your voice. How are you holding up in this uh, whole pandemic?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Um, I uh, am working still uh, my 9 to 5 and then staying really creative on, on my uh, off time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you your business is deemed essential with what you do, and so that you, like you said, you have your nine to five, um, and then you you're being creative. So are you are you creating some new music and EP on the way? What do you have on the way?
1: Um, yeah, I think right now I've been focusing on singles. It seems to be the um, temperature of the game right now, and um, you know I do have like. Um, Albums worth of material that I could release. I, you know, I'm not gonna wait on it too long. I'm definitely gonna be releasing stuff. I had a plan of doing like a lot of singles this year. Um, but since this uh, COVID 19, I've just kind of had to like think about um, budget and how to strategize all of that. So um, I had to slow down a little bit, but I released a single on, in January. My intention was to do one each month. Um, but I've had to like kind of rethink what I'm gonna do since then, but i have some a bunch of different stuff in the works. I've got a big collab that I'm working on that I just finished uh my part of last night. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna keep it a secret till I'm ready to drop it or or what, but it's gonna be exciting
0: i I'm always excited for your work man' because cause you have just one of those styles it's like that old throwback style. Um, yeah, it, it, it's so whatever you do, I mean, you, you must be worth worth holding on to if, if you have yeah, if you have have album's worth of stuff and you're just doing singles. Uh, do you have any motivation just besides that's what the industry is doing right now? Or or is that just something that
1: you're doing on your own uh, prerogative? Uh, I'm trying to, um, uh, catch people's attention in a way that, um, I'm just trying to do something different for myself because I usually put together full bodies of work and then um, they often take a lot of time to get together and then the budget is a little slower. So by the time the work's done, then I still have time to, you know, by the time the the project comes out, sometimes I feel a little uh, like it took longer than it should have where I feel like it's easier to focus on um, finishing one, you know, solid song at a time. Um, focusing on the full because I do um uh, usually my own mixing, I produce my own beats and uh, record myself. So in that process, I'm trying to just do it uh, really complete and then finish the artwork and release the song and then put it together as an album.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, That's I want to say you don't hire anybody to do anything; you do it all.
1: Yeah, pretty much. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty self uh, self sustaining in that way, and I do work with other producers in my crew, and people that I've been working with for a while, um, like good friends of mine. But not too many. You know, I don't go too far out. Um, yeah, so you know most of most of my stuff I produce myself, and I'm just trying to really master the craft all the way around. Because I know if I make something good enough that I feel infi- inspired to rap to, then I definitely want to make it sonically able to compete with the market just on the sonic level, not as far as the... My, my style is, is what it is. It's not going to be like what, what I'm hearing. It's not going to be compared to that. It's like I'm staying in my own lane, but I want it to be quality, you know? So just trying to like... Get the, get people's attention with my singles, and then you know, I've got a lot of bodies of work. So I, I I got albums to release still, and I have albums that are available that people can check out.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and that's the thing. You know, the the old adage is uh quality over quantity. You know, and you want you're, like you just hit the right on the head. You want to be sonically competitive. You want to sound good instead of yeah just pushing and pushing and pushing and it just sounds crap all the way around
1: yeah exactly i don't want to just throw out a bunch of stuff and it's not ready so i feel like working on one sonic piece it's kind of like approaching a canvas and um painting you know and just finishing that painting before you start another one
0: so my question is where did this drive come from because you have this drive to just make everything that you do or touch like amazing. Like at your art in general, all the way around as an artist. Where does that come from? Uh
1: thank you, first of all. Uh, I I have a um the the guides I came up with are incredible artists. The the guys that I um came under and the fact that um I have certain you know I guess, natural talents from my father, who was a musical genius himself, a saxophone, you know, jazz musician and a, and a painter and artist as well. So I, I have some of that, um, but I've worked hard on it. You know, I'm, I'm actually really dedicated to practicing um, and keeping up my chops and keeping up my skills and, and, and on everything that I do, I've always pushed as hard as I can to, um, try to be the best, you know, I really feel like, um, you know, just for myself, I just want to be the best me I can be. And, um, through, through my art, that's always been kind of where I had to make uh, my mark and, and, um, survive, you know, and, and say, I was here. I think that's important. Um, in the human experience, you want to have some legacy, uh, or most people do, I think, when I have something that people remember them by. So um, since I come from a musical legacy, uh, I kind of felt the commitment and the, the responsibility to uphold that um, kind of uh, integrity.
0: No, for sure. And that, that's important because, like I said, you have some sort of musical legacy to live up to. Um so you feel like you're kind of indebted to it that way. But now it's just that drive overall and being dedicated. And that's really allowed you to be the musician and the artist I, th- I think you've wanted to be. Because you've been able to take the stage with some pretty um, pretty high up members of the hip-hop community. And people that are well-respected. Uh, the first yeah. time I met you was actually Mm -hmm. you were performing with uh, Charlie Tuna.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So, Um, I mean, that lends
1: itself to something, I think. Yeah, and and awesome story is like when I met Charlie, he um, actually knew me through graffiti, and he knew about my graffiti legacy. So he was actually like a fan on the low of my graffiti stuff from the time he lived in the Bay Area when he was younger around uh 91 92 he was in oakland and he said you know we were all city so he's he's seen our influence so it was it was awesome and he's he's my uh he's my homie like i'm still uh connected with him now from that time so it's pretty awesome um just being part of the hip-hop culture and people you look up to you don't even realize they might actually know something because because i had a whole you could say a lifetime of paying dues and um you know, reaching levels through the graffiti element before being recognized as an MC. Right. So my right. whole you know, my whole teens, my early teens from twelve to you know, till to my early twenties, I was active doing graffiti. And then, you know, since um I've been MCing since I was uh about sixteen was was my official. I would say I was like I had a verse and on on a recording, and it was nice.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> so the official
1: MC at this, since, since sixteen, I was messing around with it, you know, from fourteen on. But uh, you know, I got nice real real fast.
0: Was it because you surrounded yourself with people that just wanted you to be there? Was it people that saw potential in you? Was it just that drive? Was it a combination? Because.
1: uh, Yeah, it was a combination, and the time. It was right in the middle of the golden era. So, and I was right in the Bay Area growing up, kind of in this, um, you know, this time. And the people that I knew were connected. They had studios and equipment, and they had like um, record deals on the table. Um, and, and like things were really popping off. There was the Gavin convention that used to go off at the uh, Berkeley square. And I was getting in there at, at 16 and performing, um, without an ID, just cause they knew I was ambitious and hungry and I wanted to get on the mic. Um, and, and a lot of those, uh, you know, those people I still rock with today. I still, um, I'm connected to, so, uh, yeah, it was just it was just a, a great moment of time that was really inspiring. And, and it was also a time where, you know, you took it serious. The culture uh, was was pretty unforgiving. And if you didn't come with it, they let you know. Um, and you it, it just wasn't it wasn't a time where uh, you didn't come out without practicing and making sure you had some level of your skill together before you presented it to people. So I came from that kind of pressure and everyone I was coming up under was older than me. So they, they checked me on different life levels because I kind of was raised by dudes in the street that I was around since my pops was pretty much absent being a musician himself. And uh, my mom was a single parent, which I just didn't stay at home. I was wilding out. So I'd usually be out on the streets with my crew who, pretty much, uh, influenced me in different ways.
0: So what led you to Humboldt County? <laughs>
1: um, Humboldt County was, um, my, our, our, my decision to make it up here was because my brother had already moved up here and was establishing his family. Uh, and I was, um, having my, uh, I'd already raised these, uh, my my older kids from my wife um her previous marriage and and i was a father um in berkeley and then i i had my first biological child and uh we decided that we wanted to get out of the south berkeley area um it was just kind of uh getting a pretty pretty steep in the the rent and um wasn't the best neighborhood, you know, and we thought we, we've we been up uh, in, uh, to Humboldt from going on tour and we liked the area. We resonated with it, um, had good times coming up here and we just decided, you know, we just wanted to try something new and um, get out of the Bay Area in general. There was a lot of uh, just growing up there, a lot of hardships and stuff. So we just wanted to see what it would be like having a a new area than just try to, uh, rebuild. And since we were having our, uh, our newborn, we were like, she was one years old when we moved up here and then we had our son, uh, the next year. So, uh, we just figured, you know, let's see what Humboldt's about. And, um, I knew it had a cool music scene and, um, I was, you know, not necessarily drawn here because of the cannabis, but of course I'm, I'm a cannabis connoisseur and I love that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't even working in the cannabis field. Um, when I first moved up here, I was still doing house painting stuff and, um, getting show money. So,
0: so, how was the music change from Berkeley? Because we know Berkeley's is such a rich area, because you're in the Bay Area in general of music. And music <coughs> is just prevalent down there. And come to Humboldt. Humboldt is such a small music scene, but it's a really rich, small music community. So was there a huge transition? Was it easy for you to find people to fall in with? Uh, from touring, had you had connections from that aspect of it? How did Musically help you? evolve and also like getting in because I know Humboldt's fickle growing up there man I I is a tough time you know I was at that first Foo Fighter show that was at the Jambalaya I snuck in as a kid so I've been I've been in the scene for a long long time and Mm -hmm. and people don't realize that that that's a really rich scene and there's a lot going on but it's hard to get Exposure there So what was your
1: experience like It is Um, So my experience was um, We're looking at um, 2004 I drop My first solo album In the Bay Area On Bomb Hip Hop Records And I go on tour And I'm basically bubbling And getting my first like Because I had a record before that with my group Um that we did independently and that was okay. But this was my first solo thing. And, um, I was starting to really get like a buzz going on. And then we decided that we were going to move to the Bay area. Um, you know, I had a lot of pressure from my wife to do so. So I was like a little reluctant at first, but I was like, okay, let's do this. I got this album at least, um, you know, like I can, you know, use the momentum, and, and go up to Humboldt and kind of plant my seed and see what's good. Um, but when I got up here, it wasn't that. <laughs> it was like, okay, yeah, now you're this new dude in town, and you have to, like, establish yourself. And people weren't really trying to hear it uh, probably for the first couple years. But I just went around, and, like, I think the first thing I did is I came to a battle at Humbrews and I met a little kid lost at random one, and uh caveman and muhammad and a bunch of different people that you know a lot of them i still talk to today we still know each other and um i recruited a bunch of them and did some recordings too um but yeah you know i just kind of like uh went to this battle kind of got hated on because i was the new dude even though i slaughtered it uh they they kind of just uh outranked me from popularity uh control and and I thought I was done, so I was kind of in the back smoking, and they were like, oh, they have to do a tiebreaker, so they invited you back. And then I ended up in the finals again and then still didn't win because of popularity. But it was, I kind of let everyone know. You know, I'm nice, I'm in town, you know, I'm here, whatever. And uh, battle rap isn't, like, my, my main thing. I, I really like rocking and just uh, ciphering and, and kicking it with people, but it was a way to let people know I'm here. And then um, I started putting my own, own shows together, and, and, you know, just slow. I just think people were just like, what's this, who's this dude, you know? And then um, I, I was stuck it out. I was relentless. I kept on doing it. I kept on going to things where people were going to be at, and then I slowly kind of um, got noticed and, you know, got recognized through you know different different promoters that I knew that were uh, in town at the time started working with me and putting me in in places where I was doing these you know big shows and getting to open up and host for a lot of big names and stuff and then um, I just kind of earned my respect in the community as people saw me rocking and holding it down show after show after show they were just like all right. This fucking guy's not going anywhere. He's definitely nice at what he does. And, you know, uh, even people that don't like me, I think they respect me because I get busy. So, you oh, know, if, you- if my style's not for them, you know, I think people just go, okay, that guy, he stays busy. So yeah, there's no... You're
0: phenomenal. I- I've seen you cipher and I've seen you live on stage. And both right aspects are they're they're out of control. You while out on any aspect of it, even if you're just there. you I, I. It's hard to explain. You have. If you if you guys are listening, you have to you have to find out when he's live after this pandemic and go see him. If if you can catch him on a tour, if you catch him in Humboldt, dude. I'm telling you, Nakwan One is phenomenal. He's one of my favorite. Like I'm sitting here ear to ear smiling because I, I remember like. Shout out to uh, LKL man, uh little kid lost. Yes, I, my brother. I, yeah, dude, I love I love him. He uh, he's gonna be yeah. on the podcast here in the future, and uh, and I would love like you, uh, I love seeing you guys just perform together. And me too.
1: He gives it, me a lot of because uh, he, he can freestyle well and and he's versatile. He could sing and and he does jokes. He's funny too. So he's a good balance because I'm kind of serious and I keep. I keep dynamic and technical, you know, but, like, he, he has, like, he, he's wavy, man, and he gets it he gets it in the pocket, and I love that shit. He gets it in, like, when we freestyle together, we bounce off each other well, create a lot of good um, moments of fucking it up on stage that uh, every time we rock together, it's like uh, we have a symbiosis of sorts. It's just, it's awesome to have. With with lyricists, you know, and other MCs, it's a good energy when you could bounce off each other and just rock. Um, no, no, one of my favorite sure. parts of it. Yeah.
0: Um. So.
1: I really love you... Rhymer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I could hear it. Just anybody who can have a good conversation about what they do. You can tell they love what they do, and you're one of those people, man. You're, you're a good yeah. guy in the hip hop game for sure. You're someone to learn from. I that's for sure. I I learned a lot just watching you, and how you perform. And right on. And that, that's just something. Just and I don't even perform. I, I'm a photographer. I'm a I'm a band manager. I'm a tour booker. But yeah. I learned a lot just from watching you because performance also is still a big part of what I do. And mm-hmm. watch and I giving advice. And I would give advice if you're learning to how to be a cipher and MC and you want a good pointer, just watch a video or go see a live. Um, Knack one performance at a cypher because it's a different experience. You can do a live performance, and that's great and well because you're given the space. And like you said, I saw both you and uh LKL um just at in both settings and performing off of each other. And the same Mm -hmm. you said you hit the same thing the ad lib, you guys ad libbed off each other so well that it was like a symbiosis, you couldn't even tell. And I think that's a part of who you are and how you grew up in the Bay because the Bay Area has a huge, huge rap scene.
1: Yeah, I, I had some excellent sparring partners, and they could, you know, we learned, we kind of like grew up freestyling together. So I always have to give props, you know, to that. Um, Freestyle Friday sessions for months and years with my man DJ Rackus and my man Gigs One. And then we had other MCs like Intelligence and Vast and. Couple other guys we just spar with, they, we all like just kind of grew up doing that, and listen. A big part of doing that is listening. So you have to know it to li- you have to listen for where they're going to take it from there, and, and it it's a communication. It's a language. The freestyle, especially freestyle, and I thought I think beyond just the rhyming words and patterns, you're it's a language in its own sense, just like jazz is a language.
0: Right. Right. Now, bringing your style of hip-hop to Humble, it fell right in with um, Fat Bull and that what they push and how they do things. How did you link up with them and Brian Swislow? Because I know you, you had to have linked up with them through Brian or even Christopher yeah. because they're both huge musicians. How did yeah. you link up with them?
1: The first time uh, linking up with them was way back when um, they were doing jazz sessions on wednesdays at the red fox and me and my man los were recording them on pro tools and we were doing these like i think monthly sessions for about a year and um i would get up and freestyle with the band with and just like on random occasions and they were just like starting to see oh this dude can get down live with live musician then uh, you know, I've been friends with, with B Swizzle for a long time, and we've always talked about, over the years, we were like, we need to figure out something we can do together musically. Because, you know, we always check in together and had, like, this uh, camaraderie and, and respect and reverence for each other's craft and and, and as musicians and whatnot. But we, we didn't ever find time to actually figure something out. You know, and then... Um, the uh, I think it was pretty much, you know, B. Swizzlow's idea to hold something at his store. And then I was like a cipher, you know, like something like I had when I was a kid, we had cafes and, and places um, where we had regular ciphers where cats could come and practice live in front of people and have a, you know, a space where, um, you know a DJ set up already spinning, and they drop records for the MCs to get their you know rhymes on and practice uh, doing their thing and you know holding, holding the space and creating that community vibe. And uh, Fat Bull Store was the perfect place and and um, under under that umbrella and that whole vibe um, of being an artist community. You know, it just really um, meshed well together. And then slowly after that, I started doing more um, with um, some of the jam session nights I would just show up to and rock with the band and um, grew more of that relationship with the musicians um, in town as well. So then, um, you know, over the years, we have done lots of concerts, lots of different events together um, and kind of built you know that that part of the, you know what V would call the hip hop lounge um, brand before, and then you know I'd be a part of that whenever that's going down. So it, it's all right. kind of interchangeable parts um, under the Fat Bull umbrella and the humble family of artists and musicians.
0: Yeah, and that's what I've noticed. That's he's such a an intelligent musician and an <coughs> intelligent like leader of a brand because. You're right. It's like interchangeable parts, and that's what I found. It's like because I'm, you know, being a part of it myself, I've seen it in action, and it's so crazy to really see it play out and to be involved with that as a hip-hop artist and as a hip-hop fan, just it's something special, I think.
1: Yeah, and the fact that he recognized the leadership in me and knows that he can just hand over this this like position for me to be in charge of, you know, and like he knows I'm gonna handle it and do my thing as a an MC and, and as a community member. Um, you know, having that ability to to place people in the right place and, and that's what makes things pop and makes, you know, things be successful. And I see he's he's one with that. And um yeah, he's definitely a brilliant mind. Yeah. Because of those things.
0: You know? No, for sure, for sure, man. I agree. Um, so what's now, now that you're involved with Fat Bowl and you have your, your life established in humble, um, what's now on the horizon for you? Cause you haven't really released any, an album, I would say since about 2013, 2014. Are you pushing anything or am I wrong on that?
1: Uh, I have an album out that I released in 20, well, I re-released it in 2017. Okay. It was, yeah. Um, it's only on Bandcamp so I need to make it more available. Um, that Nako uh, NAC1, the writer. And then um, I have a single that I just released in January that's on DistroKid called Cool Calm Collected. Um, there's a video for that as well. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I pretty much need to, you know, Start, this. I was planning on doing a lot more releases this year And I still am I'm just starting to um, strategize a little more um, Build more momentum Get more uh, interactive online I've been doing oh, yeah. a lot more live And stuff like that, live feeds
0: No, for sure And th- that's another thing I was going to ask you Because the, the pandemic put us all In a very, very awkward position Because we all had performances scheduled We all had things booked That we were doing And we're now at a halt. Yeah. Um, And so your strategy has to change because you you said earlier you wanted to do a release a month. And that's awesome because that's what most artists want to do is at least a release a month. Yeah. But with this whole virus and the live streaming, are you thinking about doing something that route? Because you said you've been doing some live streaming. Are you going to do your releases that way instead of just dropping them? Because you could you can always use a live stream pan, like event um, once a month to drop your new singles.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's all these new things to look at that I, that I haven't been looking at. So I'm definitely interested um, in new ways of getting, you know, to people and, and, and to, uh, advertising my brand to these people in a way that that would be like, uh, you know, received well. So I've been thinking about all these different things. um, And just doing the live thing is something that, and I haven't really been doing it that often. So until these last, you know, till this quarantine thing, and um, yeah, I'm kind of, I, I, you know, it's a new platform for me, but I'm feeling more comfortable with it as I've been going on. Um, At first, I wasn't totally comfortable with just the camera in my face and seeing people's responses and shit while I'm freestyling or whatnot. It was kind of like, Oh shit, I got to get used to this. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's one of those things I can deal with now. And you know, I'm not totally, uh, against it. I'm, I'm all about it. So I am kind of like from the old school where I'm used to word of mouth and, um, you know, things like, uh, selling myself with my live performance and things of that nature. But this is, uh, this, this new era is, you know, it's time to take advantage of the technology we have.
0: I know it's like and, the wild yes. west. It's like the wild west.
1: I, at least I'm not alone. I feel like I felt there. I was alone, but then I seen uh the Riza and, and premier battle and seen that he didn't even, uh, he was first time going live on Instagram. So I was, I felt okay.
0: right right you're like dude i'm not alone um you know who i would like to relate you to and give you some props to and kind of relate yourself to is immaculate of the Pacific Northwest and the sand people and um you two are a lot of like because you guys can really you're really serious rappers and you take your craft serious but you can think on the fly and that's the best part about hip-hop and oh, being yeah. able to host your MC and your own, own cipher, I like to see you two get together and do something. To be honest,
1: I would too, man. That guy is nice, man. I, I've met him, you know. I have a picture with him on uh, from on my Instagram. We I seen him out in uh, Brooklyn in 2016, and he was performing with the Team Backpack event that I was a part of. And, you know, I've, I've seen him battle and shit. I've, I've been at battles when he was younger, when he was first coming up, I was performing at some, I opened up for some of the battles he was in before he was a uh, really famous in that, in that arena. And like, since then I've seen him just do his thing. And he is definitely a, a cat I respect as a lyricist in, in an MC. So I'd be all about it for sure. Uh, yeah, he's nice. No. With this, yeah.
0: He he's, he's awesome. Um, I've got really good connections to him and with him, and he's such a cool cat. And I, anytime I see him, I'm like, dude, knack, knack me yeah. up with him. He, it's just like because the styles are so they're similar in so many ways. and mm-hmm, it, It's just it's just like you guys are both very lyrical. You both think it out. You both. Uh, I guarantee you, I could throw you a dictionary word, and you could freestyle it. You know, and that's that's yeah, definitely. That's a part of the game, and so that that's, like, if I could liken you to anybody up in, like, Portland and Washington, even just the Pacific Northwest in general, or any rapper in general in the that's similar in any way, it'd be immaculate.
1: Mm, word. Respect.
0: Yeah. So I, I just—I I really appreciate what you do, man. I appreciate, like, the fact that uh, you, you could have easily taken— um, Taking the easy road, being a musician's kid and having a famous famous family member, but you chose to yeah. go your own path and you knocked down your own doors. Did people give you a lot of shit for being uh, a musician's kid and and doing something different, or were they really like, wow, okay? Or did you ever talk about it?
1: Um. Yeah, I think my era was just it was so saturated in being the hip hop era I grew up in that it wasn't really talked about. And I think if it was a different time, see, a lot of the um, programs for music were cut during my time in school. So hip hop was just something that kids that were musically inclined were just doing naturally. Cause there was not, unless you had money, you couldn't pay for lessons to learn how to play an instrument and let alone pay for instruments or whatnot. So um, hip hop was one of those things for me in that era um, growing up in the 80s and 90s that um, would just be just just second nature to to a kid who comes from a jazz, you know, legacy. Um, my pops probably would have wanted me to play an instrument, but he never discouraged me um, knowing that, you know, I got busy as soon as I started picking up the pen and, and starting freestyling and just getting into the craft and art of, of rhyming. He know, I took it mad serious. So, um, I, I, you know, it, it was just one of those things that, that I fell in love with and, um, you know, pretty much took as serious as a musician would take their instrument and their craft.
0: That is, that's amazing. Like I, I've always wanted to hear your story. Like I, cause I know you, like I said, just from a handful of occasions. Um, I know your brother, uh, Cam, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know I, I know your family. So it's just like it's not that I, I don't know you. It's the fact that I don't know the story of NAC1. You right know, on. I, I, it's just like – and I don't think a lot of people do because you've been around for a long time, and you've only been in really northern California. And, yeah, you've toured, but it's about you – know, you have a family to worry about and mouths to feed and being yeah. – being better than what you were given and and you're doing that and that's amazing because I, I know you're i've met your wife i've met some of your kids and your family's great man and thank you bro and for what you do and how you've maintained for the 20 plus years you have and continuing on and being like just a stand-up musician a stand-up guy that says a lot to to what you wanted to be as a person overall doesn't it
1: Yeah. You know, I, my goal in life was to, you know, there was no doubt I was a reflection of my father and there was no way to escape the, uh, the skills he's endowed me with. And the, the kind of the blessings and the curse that came with it. Um, but I did want to change the fact that I, um, wanted to have, you know, to raise children and give them back what I did not have. And I believe that I've done that twice over and, um, and I'm still given to myself. I still have to feed my inner child, which kind of lost out of um, uh, that time. So in that sense, you know, hip hop is, is, is nourishing that and keeps that alive. Um, and it's a way to express those feelings, you know, in the, that time and that void. So um, that also kind of keeps me fueled. Um, food for the soul, you know, um, and, and, and mental health. It's, 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 it kind of like, it's all, it's all in there. It's a big, it's a you know, full package that, that comes with it all.
0: It, it's um, amazing. I, I think it is. And I, I think you're doing a good job at it all.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Cause it is difficult. Um, I do. You know, as, as I get older and older, and I, and I know it's not about age, and I know that this is like, it personally feels like a fountain of youth to me, and it gives me that, that youthfulness. And But, you know, some people judge the age. Not everyone can tell if they see me how old I am, but, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and with uh, little to no um, recognition in some in, during some eras, and, and, you know, I've had my ups and downs with it, but... the the love of the art and the culture is always going to be there, um, no matter what you know light I'm getting um, with it. So, you know I'm I'm devoted to to you know to the bone. You know I'm I'm a b boy to the bone. I'm an MC to the bone. It's always going to be in my DNA, and I'm always going to rock. But, uh, you know I, I I would like to get this story heard too. You know I think it's a good one. Something that um, mean something i did you know i didn't just do this all my life to uh, entertain myself either you know
0: no so, and i i think as entertainers ourselves because you know as an artist we're entertainers and that's the one thing it doesn't matter your profession if you're an artist you're an entertainer um, and if you can embrace that to some core then you're on the right path and you, you you're right you, you didn't do it just to entertain yourself we can entertain ourselves all day bad jokes, you know, bad radio, bad comments. But if you can entertain a mass of people, then you're doing something right, and you're doing that, my man. And I I appreciate you coming on the Powerhouse Lounge. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you telling me your story and where you came from, and just a portion of it. So I know there's a lot more to this, and here's
1: the thing. Yeah, definitely.
0: I like to – I really like to leave more for the listeners, and I'd like to have you come back on in the future because – this has been a great conversation. I've loved talking to you. I, I've loved just hearing the story, the stance, where you came from. Uh, right on. And, you know, I, I would love to have you again. And what we can, you know, maybe have you freestyle and have a beat behind it. Maybe, maybe, maybe in the future on the live, when I have my live radio show, we'll have you come on live and you can do something live on the radio. Yeah. But awesome. we can do that So instead of the podcast because that's in the works, you know. Having a live mm-hmm. radio show is in the works, and when that happens, you're going to be one of my first guests. I swear to you.
1: It's going to be awesome. Right on. Respect, you That's awesome.
0: Yeah, no. I, I just – I really appreciate you, Nack. I, I can't say that enough. I appreciate you giving you me your time to me. Um, I know you're busy. I know you got a family. I know you are trying to woodshed some music, and uh, thank you again.
1: Respect, Uh, yeah, appreciate you, man. Keep in touch. I'm always going to be around for, you know, if you want to do another one of these. And, um, yeah, holler at me, man. I'm working.
0: For sure, man, for sure. Yeah. Thank you again. Thanks for coming on the Powerhouse Lounge.
1: And we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. All right, One.
0: Man, uh, one is right. I can't thank NAC1 enough for coming on the Powerhouse Lounge. I mean... He was such a cool interview. I've always enjoyed talking to him any chance. I've had a chance to talk with Nak? Uh He's something special. If you get a chance to check out his music, uh, I would I would suggest it. Always go to uh, his social media uh, to find out what he's doing. And we're going to have a track for you uh, real real quick from him. But I want to go ahead and thank my sponsors again. I always want to be thanking uh, Fat Bowl Clothing, Fat Bowl.com, Vortex Music Magazine, VRTXMag.com. Uh, Austin Randall Music, uh, Rock Academy PX, and always the the company that that does allow this uh, podcast to be broadcast over your airwaves and uh, their airwaves as well, ShadyPinesRadio.com. I'm really excited to be associated with them. So uh, much love to them. I'm always excited to share this podcast. Remember, right after the podcast, uh, we always are on tap with Brian and Callie's Virtual open mic, call in from Skype, call in from pretty much wherever. If you have a song pre recorded that you want to do on the open mic, pass it along. If you want to do it live, do it live. But be sure to, you know, reach out to them. They're doing this open mic right after the podcast. Remember, this podcast airs uh, every second Wednesday, the second and fourth Wednesdays of every month. And you can always find me every Monday, every Monday night from 10 to 1 a.m. Yes, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. on ShadyPinesRadio.com. I'm doing my other show, The Late Shift, where we're talking interviews. We're doing this podcast pretty much on an overnight form where we have guests. We have a curated playlist. We have segments. We have war stories, as I'll call them, from artists in the in the industry. And just if you want to call in and. Tell me how much you love me. Well, you can do that too. And we'll, we'll get into that later at a different date. So up next, we have a have this track from NAC1. The track is called Rapid Fire Flow. And man, does he have a rapid fire technique for this. I'm telling you what. This has got to be one of my favorite NAC1 tracks. This came out in 2019. And I am telling you guys, it is something to be had. Uh... I I can't say it enough. I mean, he's just got a style of his own. The beat is definitely an old school beat. So, I hope you enjoy it as much as I love it. So, here is Rapid Fun.
2: Fire flow with a nice is home. on a microphone. Inside his home. On a ride home, when I write at home with a fight is on the force of life is wrong. When I perform, the light is gone. I'm well be in the middle of a fire store. All night long, when I write a song, your mind is gone, and I'm a hydrogen atom, a ball. lighting in your side like Glacko, knocking them off their pedestal, not on the level that I am on. And I'm a rhyming phenomenal, lyrical, animal, damn tyrannical, modest maniacal, run botanical chronicle. Spot, air, water and minerals, on the rock, heavy metals, heavy rings, electric clouds that'll never settle. Mix every lemon together on instrumental. beats, lightning strikes. Intelligence on a whole the level. I'm telling you, I got the soul of a rebel. I'm a stone, you're a pebble. Turning the mic in into and metal. You done fucked up when I blow the kettle. So technical, but respectable. West incredible. Smoking medical, eating. Edibles delect, you know I'm yeah. just playing around with you vegetables Same. So let us turn up the beat for these couch potato delectables I'm gonna slice and dice a raw, Cut into the mic just like a saw that he extract like a tiger's paw Altered beast when I evolve Firefall back against the wall to overcome it all It's fireballs on y'all Like, oh. spring back into action That one, matching with a baston What's happening, what's cracking, Captain? Yo, I'm blasting at him out of the rhythm with energy that has arisen mathematically, strategy, strategy causing a cataclysm Additions, subtraction, multiplication, and division Algorithms, manipulation of speech Pattern, positions on back, I'm miss, slack, I'm flip, and are missing No i flipping the rap that The catcher, it's in the apple, let and be listed,
0: Man, Rapid Fire Flow is such a cool track. It's just so layered and so phenomenal, and he can just spit. Man, he, he grew up in the Bay Area, and that's a whole different style. And then he moved to Humboldt, and that's a whole different style on top of that, on top of a whole different culture. So, I mean, man, uh, NAC1 has definitely got a lot going on there. However man, uh, it's such a cool track. now then the next uh, artist we're going to hear from is that of real life out of Tacoma. Now real life and I had a chance encounter back in 2018 with a monthly show that I was helped producing and I not only was I producing on it I was a photographer and he, he came as a part of this whole idea that we we're going to throw rock and hip hop and just do this whole mashup night of diff- different styles. And we had another member of that uh, crew from, the, uh, uh, from that night in Seven the Panther on episode two. Now we're going to hear a different take from real life and just some of what real life has got going on since then. Uh, we have a track from him as well. And I really hope you enjoy this interview. He's a real cool interview. He's a real smart guy, and he's actually a real business, a real music business that is affected and has been affected by the pandemic. I mean, he's got a real story, and the story, it's got that sad note to it, but don't let the tone get you down because he's more optimistic than I think i have I heard him in 2018 and even in this interview because... He's he's definitely uh, he, he's definitely going to have to start over, it seems, but he's, he's not letting it stop his musical dreams. And, you know, this is the gamble that we take as artists is we risk it all just so we can have a little bit of a, that taste of what it's like to have that music reality that we all dream of and that we all strive for and that we all want. And we're all trying to make the best of it. So please enjoy his interview. After that, we'll get into his track. The track that we're going to be playing from him uh, this episode is called Homage. And that's a real cool track. I'm not even going to really uh, get into it before. I'm just going to go interview, then song, and then we'll wrap up the song. We'll touch on it. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll thank the sponsors. We'll do what we normally do, and we'll get on out of here. Uh, do not leave the episode because you never know. You know, th- this episode is going to be roughly a couple hours long. But we have a playlist of rare music sometimes. We have uh, local artists that you may not have heard of yet, and they'll be on the podcast soon. Um, you know, we just have random stuff, and you might even get a twofer. You never know when you're going to get a two-for-one special. I might release an episode uh, back-to-back on you, and you just might get get a what I'll call an omnibus episode, a double-decker. What do you say about that? But that's going to take some time, uh, my, my lounge listeners. But until then, let's get into the real-life interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back in to another exciting edition of the Powerhouse Lounge. My next guest is a phenomenal MC, phenomenal producer out of the Seattle, Washington area. Man, I've worked with this cat one time. And that one time left me wanting to work with yeah. him more and more and more. I think we've had so many different conversations of just different things that we wanted mm-hmm. to do, and they just haven't materialized. So I'm telling you, folks, this guy's the real deal. He's here in person. He is real life. What's up, my man?
3: Hey, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? It's been a while. That one, time, that, that one time was so fun, though. Oh, man, that was such a great time.
0: Oh, it was. You know, I had um, I had seven on the, on the podcast recently, and we talked about it. Anybody who's been a part of that, that setting or what I what First Look was, I always ask him about it, and we, we talked about it. And he goes, man, that was one of those things where it's just like me in real life. We we're like the two MCs up there that just we, – we were just like, wow, this is different. So from your perspective, was, was that pretty much your take? It was different.
3: Uh, it was definitely each each um, each show is different. Uh, each new area is different. I think that was um, our first time performing at that particular venue.
0: That venue first um, around, by the way.
3: Really? Oh, that is. Is it because of the, the coronavirus or what? No,
0: so, no. So we were there six months with six months with First Look. Uh, and we get an email from Derek, the booker, and he goes, uh, things are changing. And we, we kind of caught when things were changing. We didn't know what they were going to do, if they were going to, like, cut music, what they were going to do in general. Well, the, the, this, the funniest thing was it was a, a strip joint before it was a music venue, and the owner said, well, we're not making money at this music thing, so it's going back to a strip joint. So they shut it down and turned <laughs> it back into a strip joint. So, I mean— what makes money is going to make them money. I was sad to see the venue go, and we we ended up at another venue that ended up closing. I don't know if it was our luck or if it was just us, but the Analog yep. Theater we ended up there for six months, and that closed uh, because of uh, a small-town music scandal that happened there. But yeah, that, that venue was definitely different.
3: Yeah, it was a beautiful venue. I loved it, uh, the setup, stage, and I, I was impressed by it, um, and... That uh, that helped with the performance because you know when when you get on a when you get on a um a quote unquote uh, traditional stage it's a lot different than when you're just performing at like the the local bar you know what I'm saying and uh, you get all the lights you get we had the fog going you know you were out there shooting photos you know what I'm saying like it was like real concert environment it just it felt great. Um I still have that that photo that you took, the big group photo that you took of all of us oh, man. Uh, i st- I still have that uh and it's just a constant reminder like every time I see it pop up somewhere, it's like, oh man, it just brings back that that good vibe that we all had that night
0: oh uh, and that's what we tried to carry out through the whole thing, and we were so happy to have you and as a producer of that show, because I was brought on as a producer, not just a photographer, and it was just one of those things that. When it came to having you guys, it was a big deal for us, and we we enjoyed it. And taking that picture, that that cemented like what we were about, because we we were all we're all mid grade guys. We're on our way up, you know, and 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 we we wanted to do something that was reminiscent of nineteen eighties New York, uh, like punk rock scene. And we had any given night. You could have Beastie Boys with Blondie with like Iggy Pop. You know, just this array of music. And and that's what we wanted to give. And that's what that that night was a true night of that. That was amazing.
3: Absolutely. Uh absolutely. <laughs> I can't I, I can't add any more sauce to that. It was it was incredible um it that was that was the first time that we worked together but uh me and, me seven and escrow and um the bar pilots i think we had done something before that oh yeah. no no because we, we we did do something before that and then we did the show earlier yeah right? you, we so did, uh,
0: you and the bar pilots so if i remember right rob told the story as rob wessels of the bar pilots Told it uh-huh. as you guys did something together. You guys ended up at the same venue and playing a small set together or whatever it was.
3: Yes, uh, that's, for, that's right. Um, me and OJ, so OJ Marie, she's a singer, songwriter, yes. a DJ. Yes. So, uh, OJ. And I got to, we performed with the Bar Pilots, like an impromptu uh, jam session at the end of the, the one of the shows we did out there. And That was so fun um, because like me as a rapper, like it's generally just me and the DJ when we get up on stage, right? But in my history, I've had the opportunity to perform with bands, uh, live bands before and so when I got up on stage with a uh, uh, bar pilot set that, that one night, um, it just reminded me of all that. It's there's, there's nothing like it playing with live instruments. There's absolutely nothing like it. It just amplifies the show 20 times, and uh, the energy is ridiculous. It's so crazy.
0: You know, that's funny you brought that up, because that's another thing that Seven said was live instruments. You guys are <laughs> on, like, this weird wavelength, man. Because everything that you're saying, he said it's the same thing, just live instruments. It was so weird that I have live instruments. And you performing with them before, with the biopilots, I should say, gave you a comfortability. So you're comfortable oh, yeah. around it. And then Rob asked you to be on the, the TV show, the, the local TV show that he is a part of. And right. you did an interview, if, if I remember correct.
3: Yes, I did an interview. Uh, at the, we did a great – actually, I still have uh... – the uh, video somewhere on my computer here. And (laughs) you're one of the things that I remember the most from that show. It was a great interview. So fun, great experience. But I remember specifically, I was told, don't wear blue, (laughs) right? Don't wear any blue clothing. And I totally spaced on this. Now, when I showed up, I had a blue Seahawks jersey on. I had blue shorts on, and I blended in completely with the background when they were showing. When they did the original, uh, showed us like the uh, what it was gonna look like. All you seen was my head kind of floating around and my oh arms. Oh
0: my goodness. that's amazing! Uh, yeah. you see the, the
3: infamous blue
0: screen. Do not wear blue. I remember because I. Uh, I was told the same thing because my interview, I don't know if that ever got posted, what happened to it, uh, but I remember the same thing being said, and I remember making sure that day before I went in – and I, I, you know how I was. I dressed to the nines, <laughs> so I had my tie, and so I, I remember specifically I had my red my red shirt on, my black vest, and I, I think one of my, my Jerry Garcia colorful ties. And I remember just the bright lights because I made sure I had no blue, but I didn't realize how hot it was going to be in there because of the studio lights. And, oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, I was sweating like nobody's business. <laughs>
3: uh, I was definitely sweating, too, because most of the nerves, like, that was my first time uh, being on a TV show. Uh, right, so. so right. I didn't really know what to expect And you know, uh, rappers We got dirty mouths, so I was like super Concerned about like uh, I, I need to watch what I say here You know what I'm saying, so I was like you, uh, Maybe in the, like, the B-roll footage or the behind the scenes Footage, if they have that, you see me kind of Fiddling my fingers, you know what I'm saying Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the great thing because You're right, rappers have dirty mouths I think 90% of musicians have dirty mouths um, I've had to clean mine up. I've got Littles, and I've had to really kind of watch it. But when I get around you guys and I get around the, the artist, it's hard to not. And you're right. It's like you sit there and you fidget. So I totally get it. That That's amazing. And then leading up, we had First Look, and you guys killed it. We we loved having you.
3: That yeah, was great. That was uh, we, so we much fun. Have, we have, uh, uh, me, me and uh, Rob, uh, Rob Wessel from uh, Bar Pilots, we have – communicated several several times about bringing them up here you guys you guys brought us down there to do a show and it was great we've been trying to return to return to love and we just seem to keep missing each other man like Rob they had a concert up here I believe that got canceled because yeah. of all this yeah. uh, right not even like 10 15 minutes from my house so I was looking forward to that too
0: yeah so I mean we are going to. It, it's like I don't know how long this thing is going to go on. By the time this episode airs, we might be out of it. But how has the coronavirus affected you overall? Because I mean, it's affected every musician differently. I know some are in their their houses woodshedding music, which is great. But when you make a career out of it like you do, because it's like your that's your livelihood. You book. You're not just an MC. You book. You produce. And you're like at a standstill. How did it affect you?
3: Uh, it, this like this one hurt. This one hurt a lot. I ain't gonna lie, man. Uh, Cause like you said, like this this was this was for a while. Like I I have the music career and I make a living off of it, but also still maintain you know a, a day job, quote unquote, day job. And um, every single thing, every single financial source that I have got hit by all of this. So so my income stopped immediately (laughs) when uh, Governor Inslee made his uh, proclamation uh, for staying home and whatnot. And um, the last concert that I had set up was for it was on 420 weekend. And I literally put everything that I had, all my time, energy, and resources, all my money into this concert because uh, i was looking for the uh the, the big score right i was looking for the big score and uh it was looking really well like it was going good we was close to getting sold out on the tickets um there was a huge buzz in the city for it um and uh initially we got cut the capacity for the venue got cut in half which hurt financially but we were still able to do the show you I know mean, i was uh at least going to break even and be able to pay um, all my, my people for their work you know, that they put into it. And then, uh, then it went down to 50 and like, we was really hopeful. Like we kept it, we kept it under wraps for a few weeks before we made the announcement of having a, um, initially it was a postponement of the show. And then all the, <clears throat> the uncertainty about uh, when all this is going to, you know, go away or, uh, or the state would reopen so we kind of got forced to cancel it and uh, my personal income my personal money that I lost of that was around thirty two hundred dollars of my own money that I put in um, mm-hmm. and then I had to repay all the the openers and all uh you know I still I still got to pay my graphic designer for the work that she did for you know all the marketing materials uh, so you know this set me back a few few thousand um for sure and uh uh as a result like i'm more than likely going to have to just close my business um if i don't if i don't hear back about a loan literally in the next few days because um i have a deadline to renew my license in a couple more days here so if that doesn't fall through then i'm gonna have to shut down the business and um, that's unfortunate as hell because you know, like you said, I've been I've been putting a lot into this. But um, the the one thing that keeps me like level headed is that I know that there's literally nothing I can do about this virus and and how it affects uh, me doing concerts and and shows and everything. And so. Um, I've been putting my energy and time into other things. Like, like right now, like uh, right in front of me, um, I'm got my computer in front of me. I'm studying real estate. You know what I'm saying? I, I signed up for a real estate course. You know what I mean? And I've been studying the stock market and uh, contract law and just different different things that I could uh, um, turn into um, streams of income. Because you know you got to have multiple streams of income, right? And well, yeah. Like, no, yeah. Uh, I put all my energy into the music. That's I was dead set on that. And uh when this uh, coronavirus when the COVID-19 hit, you know, it it scrapped all of that plans for the foreseeable future. They're talking about um, I've I've seen reports that suggest that um concerts won't be allowed for at least a year and a half or until um a vaccine is uh, available. At least that's here in Washington.
0: Yeah, and that's what I've heard too. And it's going to—I think that's the whole uh, country uh, across the United States, at least for the foreseeable future, there are no concerts. And the only way for artists to make money truly now is through their live streaming capabilities. And the sad right. thing about that is, uh, you know, and I—I might be onto something, but you know, think of internet companies. This is where internet companies can make their money, right? They can be like the yep. venues. Because no matter where you live, I live in a a horrible area for internet, and uh, I I would be like that bottom barrel venue that you would want to come see a a show from, right? But if you have a high-speed internet connection and your stream is amazing, Mm -hmm. dude, your tip jar is going to be full. And that's like what a lot of these artists are doing is using this tip jar idea to make their money. So have you maybe thought about doing that as a stream of money? No pun intended, with stream and stream?
3: (laughs) No, I've actually looked into a few different um, platforms that uh, allow um, virtual ticket sales. You know what I'm saying? I can set up a stream and have people pay X amount of dollars to gain access to it. Uh, But to be honest with you, like, as much as I want to do that, I not properly set up to do that if i'm going to give people the show from my living room i want it to be i want it to look good and i don't want you staring at my uh freaking couch you know what i'm saying or the the portraits on my wall i think that's a little weird you know what i'm saying it's like when i the some of the um live uh quote-unquote concerts that i've watched myself I'm not really into it. I don't really vibe with it it's It's all right it's cool, but i don't, I don't really get into it so i I kinda look at it from that perspective well,
0: and that I mean, that's
3: it's not it's there's nowhere the same it's nowhere near the same as a live concert you know it's not the same feel the same vibe whatsoever and as an artist like so when I'm performing live, I feed off of the energy. Of the people that are there, not just my own confidence, right? My own confidence comes through every time, but the energy of the people that are at the shows, right? If they're all pumped up and they're having a good time, I'm feeling that energy as well too. I can't get that from the the live.
0: You know no, what I'm saying? I, I you know, feel you know for sure, and that's one thing I thrive off of as a photographer. I thrive off of that live setting. Uh, real talk. I was actually going to be the the stage manager for a set because I, I manage. I also took on managing. Funny story, right? Last time we yeah. talked, I was just a lowly photographer in the world.
3: Yeah, and I didn't know you were managing. now.
0: Oh yeah, I, I have a I'm uh, managing. Object heavy. They are a cat. We call them Cadillac Soul out of California, out of Humboldt County. Uh, okay. You think, think back to like 1973 that, that heavy funk sound you, you're hearing like a, a black dynamite or, or those old uh, kung fu movies right with, with that mm-hmm. heavy soul sound so they, they give you that and it's okay. great the music's amazing and, uh, and yeah so I, I've moved up in the world and it was just like for all of this as a manager I was going to be stage managing um and I was going to be a photographer too. I was going down for multiple reasons, right, for this festival. But for a set, I was going to be with Object Heavy and Charlie Tuna.
3: Right, right, okay. And
0: now, for a career changer for me, that's like almost the level of your your little uh, not your little your your big event that you're trying to do. And you, the live feel, that crowd, that the it's almost like a festival, right? Because you're trying to do a 420 weekend.
3: Right, it was. It was. Uh, we were close to. Uh, we were close to 500 cap on on the venue. Um. So it was, and and this this was the so this the the headliner was Beanie Siegel. Now, oh. Beanie Siegel um, hasn't been to Washington in damn near 20 years. I know. Yep. <laughs> and and we were doing it in Spanaway he's never played in Spanaway so this was the first on the first on the first plus it was the 20th anniversary of his debut album like the buzz for this concert was ridiculous it was
0: it's was, uh-huh. it was, it was good buzz it was a good it would if it would this could have been a launching point for him to have a few more bigger shows down the road and you would have had the recognition for the start of that
3: that's it, amazing uh, so that's the thing like he was actually so he was uh starting a tour that it started on the east coast over in his hometown in philly um and him in uh state property the his his rap crew uh they were all hitting the road you know what i'm saying so this is going to be like one part of that and it was historic we're talking twenties 20 years in the game you know what i'm saying that's that's historic you know what i'm saying off of his first project which uh uh I believe went to, uh went platinum. You know what I'm saying? So it's gonna be huge. But it is what it is. You know, we the we we live and learn Just, like I said there's nothing we can do about it. And I know that, that um I know what it takes to you know do a concert of that caliber. You know what I'm saying? So it can be done again. It can be replicated relatively easily. Oh yeah. Um so it's 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 not that big of a deal and 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 not just that but I was also supposed to uh play folk life the folk life festival this month which was supposed to be on the 22nd of this month and that was going to be my first time at at folk life like I had been trying to get on that stage for a couple years now and I randomly I just kind of got lucky this time you know what I'm saying I just happened to come across uh you know the the app process like early and applied and I got hit up for it So it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a brutal few months. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I can't complain because me and all my creative, you know what I'm saying? uh, Fellow creatives, we're all in the same boat. You know what I'm saying? So like everybody that I've been talking to about this, I just talked to a homie earlier today and he's feeling kind of down about, you know, not being able to do more. And I'm just, you know, telling everybody like this, you know, there's nothing we can do at this time. So, what we can do oh, about that, anyway? There's nothing we can do about that. So what we can do is put ourselves in position for what's next after this. You know what I'm saying? So and no, that's, that's what I'm, we can do. I
0: agree, 100. percent That's all you can do because that's what that's what I've been doing is positioning myself for the future. Because right. if you don't plan for your future, it's almost like the the whole idea of you evolve or you die. And <laughs> I, yeah, we have to adapt to our surroundings. We're stuck at home now, mm-hmm. we're, and we're, some of us aren't making money, and I feel bad for all of those people. You know, if 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 you're stuck in that position, I feel bad for you, especially if you're a musician, uh, because that's their livelihood. Now, for stuff like this, it's like concerts. We're talking a year and a half, maybe a year to a year and a half. <laughs> and I mean That energy that we were talking about That's not going to be felt In the live stream process And charging money for it Yeah that that's great And we're making our money But at the end of the day You've lost part of that experience However However There's a however on this And I, I'm hoping you agree to this it's only going to lead to something bigger when music does return in a concert capacity. Now we do have struggling venues and my, my, my thought would be, I would want to rally behind the venues that had to be shuttered and open those back up because the big venues will always survive. Yeah.
3: You know, you know what? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the venues, right? So, uh, um, there's a petition going around. I'm not sure if it's hit Oregon, but it's definitely here in Washington. There's a, predi- uh, not a petition. There's, um, A coalition of some of the top venues, you know, they're linking together and trying to basically save all of their asses. And I totally get that. You know what I'm saying? We need the venues, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, right, there's a big but for me. Okay. A lot of the venues here in Washington, they do not support hip hop music as much as any other place that I've personally been to right i'm talking i i've been in oregon montana idaho arizona california nevada right um and You've done all, of these, western, huh. all of western almost all all of, the all of those places that i've been to support hip hop almost way more than than spots here in 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 washington now i'm not saying that the the clubs and the music venues don't support hip hop but they're likely more likely to uh, Bring in some On the rise artists Who's not from here Onto their stage Before they'll grab an artist On the rise from here and put them on their stage You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh no no I, I feel that Because see I, So for me And you and I will have to talk after After our podcast here And I, sure. I, we, we'll definitely talk Because I've got some ideas for you um, I Since I've moved up here, because I'm from Humboldt County, California, and so every so often on the podcast, I talk about kind of where I'm from and the scene, and I have artists on here. And I grew up in a very rich hip-hop scene, and it's very local. It's a very small community, you know? A lot of MCs, a lot of Cyphers, a lot of, like, really down-to-earth peoples. Right. And then we bring in the, the upper grade people, but they always have supporting acts that are somewhat local. If it's from southern or northern Humboldt, or even Mendocino County. Now, when I moved to Portland, Portland hip-hop, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a huge, huge community.
3: hmm It really now, is, though.
0: <laughs> now, I moved 20 minutes over the bridge to Vancouver... Uh, well, I'm not in Vancouver. I'm north of Vancouver. I'm not. I, I always keep my my, my location is always undisclosed. I do yeah, that for your purposes. And yeah. and for me, what it is is they move over the bridge. And I only know of one venue. It is a straight hip hop venue. I've been trying to book there. I have been trying to get bands in there, and I've been told you have to pay. 500 to to $1,000 to steer the venue instead of just taking a straight door deal. Right. And they're not that big of a venue, and I don't understand why, but now that you, you bring up what you just brought up about the hip-hop scene here, I fully understand it.
3: <laughs> it's, uh... When I seen this, uh... So it's one of my so no uh, i am be, be a buck about it not not all the people not all the people that own these venues are bad people there's some really good people that I know personally right and they're they're great guys and girls um but when I seen this when I seen this this petition going around to save the venues I I tend to uh, stay I tend to stay in my own lane and not really you know speak on anything controversial but when i seen this i had to jump in the conversation and, and and what i said was that uh you know i we are yes we need the venues and we should all support the venues however when all this goes away i hope that the venues start su- supporting the genre that is dominant in the in this area you know what i'm saying the hip-hop is a dominant genre of music in this area and we uh we get the short end of the stick when it comes to the um the high end uh music venues
0: no yeah. and I, I i agree no I, I fully agree um now do you think there's a
3: stigma about
0: the music stigma about it being
3: absolutely okay, oh, okay. absolutely now um so i've been i've been putting on shows for a long time and um with um with the, and it's understandable why some of the venues are sketch when it comes to hip hop. You know what I'm saying? There's been fights, there's been stabbings, there's been shootings, either in or around the um, the facility, right? So it's natural for an owner to be sketch about bringing that genre in there because they're probably thinking in their head that all that is associated specifically with rap music, and and. Disregarding the fact that it was usually a personal problem between the two people that were fighting, you know what I'm saying, or trying to stab each other or shooting at each other. That's usually what it is. It's two people that have an issue that had nothing to do with the concert. They just happen to be at the concert and then they get into it. You know right. what I'm saying?
0: No, no, no. Because uh, so I'm a sports guy. You, you, you mentioned the Seahawks. I'm a Niners guy. So uh, you, you'll get this point. Okay. The, the rivalry. So, music, there's not a natural-born rivalry unless something is said, barbs are token. Right. Now, in sports, I I can take the Niners and the Seahawks. I can take the Giants and the Dodgers. I'm a huge Dodger fan, so I've got stories there. Um, I can take the Celtics and the Lakers or the Red Sox and the Yankees. Or the uh-huh. Patriots and the rest of the United States um, <laughs> because of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick.
3: <clears throat> Tom Brady. And, uh, Tom. Side note: Tom Brady is in uh, Tampa now, I believe.
0: Yes, he is. He is in Tampa, but I, I'm just saying in general that those <laughs> rivalries are born and bred, and people get hurt out of rivalry because people taking it too serious. Right now, you, you get a great note, music at a venue. In towns, whether it's local, community, large... I've been outside of huge Portland venues, and heard pop, pop, pop. Um, I wasn't there because of that, but there's something personal going on with somebody at that venue between one or two people in or outside. They give that music a bad rap. Right. Um, And... That, that stigma grows, and especially because of the way our culture is. And with, I, I I I try to stay steer away from politics on the music side of things because music and politics go hand in hand. Unless your music is controversial, and we will get into your single uh, off your your latest album, your last album from 2019, man. Um, we'll we'll get into that, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, but <coughs> if, 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 if controversy breeds controversy, I've always stated that. And I, I love a little bit of a good controversy and right. being white and I, I very much state that I would look like white Protestant Aryan America from 1942 if I lived there <laughs> and you, you can contest to that <laughs> I'm a little Irish dude from you know, Northern California and
3: You're def- definitely a white guy
0: yeah but I – people wouldn't understand that I love music, I have my views, but they see you and they instantly think, he's a thug because you're black. And that's not I've, – I've always been culturally different because of how I was raised, and I know you have because of most of your upbringing and things that you've seen. And I also went to the military where we only saw one color. You saw green because you fought right. again, And that, that breeds in America today – and your song "By Privilege" really hit on that. Was that what you were aiming for, and the energy you're taking for, because of the stances of music and America and these clubs and these things
3: because of the music
0: that you play? Oh uh,
3: man, um, I w- I wouldn't say that I was aiming for anything in particular. Uh, when I, I wrote that, I actually wrote my verse and the hook of that song probably like six months before I actually recorded it. Um, And it was uh, just, uh, I came across this, like I had came across something on Facebook where it was like, listing off all the names of the people who had, you know, at that time who had just been recently killed by the police. And uh, that's, that's what kind of sparked it. You know what I'm saying? Like for me to write that, that verse, and then, um, so like I said, I wrote, I wrote the verse in the hook, but I didn't even didn't have a beat for it until like maybe two months after I wrote it. And then a few months later is when we finally recorded it. Uh, but the energy was still there. And in, in the video, like even in the video. So when we, when we, we got the song, recorded it, it's been out for a little while, took us, we, we shot the video over a course of three months and over that course of the shooting the video, more people more more black kids re- or have been shot and killed by the police you know what i'm saying and then like literally a week about a week or so before we released the video is when that um when that officer uh uh in, walked into um her neighbor's house and killed the dude uh, Bolton john right so it was like a week before a week before we released the video that happened and like I remember just the rage, just the 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 rage I was feeling from that situation. And um knowing that there's nothing I can do about it except for address it. And so what I did was uh um added the uh, at the end of the Black Privilege video, I took a clip from the um, the court hearing of uh, when she got that guilty verdict and I put that into the video, you know what I'm saying? And just throughout the video itself, like we referencing all the stuff that's going on, like as a black man in America, like I, I'm American, I love I love the country. You know what I'm saying? It's where I'm from, right? But it, knowing that knowing that I could just be jogging down jogging down the street and get killed at any moment makes me not like America so much. You know what I'm saying? And that hurts right. to say because this is home.
0: Right, no, no, no. and that—that's like anybody. So, being a veteran and being—you uh, know—I fought over in Iraq, and I, I should come back home, and I don't—I see everybody differently, and that's because of the way I was—I was taught to think at a certain point. But I also look back at my roots and my upbringing to change all that, and that's the humanistic side of things. Right. And you have to be humanistic. It's not about color. It's not about race. And that's what music is. It's not about race. And that's what these venues, I, I'm trying to really, some of them, uh, some really go on that path. It, it's, oh, the music you play. Playing black music. And that's, <laughs> we don't want that.
3: Right. And, I mean, the, the, the hip-hop is still the number one genre right now, I think, aside from, like, gospel music. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, and so they, these venues, they... They play it. It's all in the jukeboxes, right? You know what I'm saying? All the DJs that they do hire bring in, either they're spinning hip-hop or they're playing from a hip-hop playlist. So they love, uh, and, and, you know, this is going to come off weird, but, you know, white people love black music and black culture, but seem to not really love black people that much. You know? know,
0: and that's that's so weird because Eminem has even said it, and he got he got crapped on for it.
3: And sure. Eminem's going to get crapped on forever for the simple fact that he's a white dude and he's speaking on stuff. He's 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 no no because he's a white rapper and has you know the audacity to speak on stuff, and, and I think that people are always going to get him crap for that. But you know, I, I fucks with Eminem. I, he, I like it.
0: He's the goat of white rappers. I hate to say it. He's he's got it. He knows what he, you know, and what, he's speaking on real truths. And if if, he, if it was, say, it was you and you were, you were super popular, you, you'd be getting dirty looks and
3: being raided for whatever reason oh, because yeah. they could. And, that, and that, that happens now. And I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not like a huge artist at it, but that happens now. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's it probably has something to do with politics, but it more likely has to do with uh, personal feelings, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, what I've noticed a lot lately, a lot, a lot lately, is that uh, it doesn't matter if you're super dope, right, of an artist. It doesn't it, – what matters more is if people like you, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's why you see I, – I see a lot of artists who I would consider garbage but they have huge followings and that's because people, you know, they enjoy them. You know what I'm saying? They're they're tight with them or they grow up with them and etc. et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? And more so more so nowadays because uh, like I was talking to the homie earlier that if you're an artist now, you have the power of the internet and you can literally uh, you know, be on the other side of the world getting support as long as people enjoy you. You know what I'm saying? I'm not really big on on the internet. Like, I don't post a lot on the web. You know what I'm saying? I don't go live a lot on the web. Like, I'm from the era of when we went out into the street and we passed out flyers and posters. You know what I'm saying? I'm from that era. And so it's like, for me, it's almost like night and day. You know, I I just can't, I, I don't find myself on the internet hours and hours and hours posting my stuff, you know? And I think that if I did, I'd probably fare a lot better in the right, current you know, uh, model. That's,
0: that's me too. No, I agree. Because, like, I am from the era of you go and you staple your flyers, you hand them out, word of mouth, mm-hmm. you know? Because I, I saw a talk with my wife the other day about – uh I laugh about this. I, I would talk about it because I go, I gosh, I remember going outside and – Having to use a payphone. And my son, my my four year old, walks by a payphone and he goes, Daddy, what's that? And he goes, That's a great big phone. I go, It is a great big phone. I go, I remember, I go, I honestly remember when you had to use those all the time.
3: Right. Right.
0: And it's just like, that's the idea of coming from the old school now. And I did find when I was on the internet and using it consistently, I fared a lot better.
3: Right. It yeah, it made, and it made absolute, makes absolute sense um, that that would happen. You know, there, the the world is on the web now. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's on the web now. Uh, but 10 years ago, it wasn't like that. You know what I'm saying? No. Oh, it wasn't oh like gosh, that. And so, so you know, yeah, us, no, I agree. So, you know, I'm an old dog learning new tricks, you know what I'm saying? But, like, because of my experience, I can tell all the little homies that, hey, take advantage of the web. That's your friend right now if you use it right.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no. That's the truth, man. I, uh, that's how I feel. You have to be able to use the web the right way. And for me, I, I'm learning how to do it, and I'm trying to teach people around me do it the right way. You do this, and I, I have this method. And tell you know this is a solid method because it, it, on the web, and I, I had to use Instagram a lot. You had to have like six posts scheduled a day, which was weird. You had to use the East Coast time and West Coast time <laughs> posts. You had, to, you, had to, you had to have one scheduled for 3 a.m. your time because 6 a.m. people are getting up. And the first thing people do when they get up is what? Get on their phones, check Instagram, get on Facebook, whatever else it might be. Right. And it, it was just tedious. That's a lot of work, man.
1: <laughs>
3: I was telling the little homie earlier that uh, it's, all of this is a lot of work. You know, it requires a lot of work in order to be an artist. You know, it's not you can't just uh, turn on your microphone and start rapping or start singing and expect to be famous in the morning. You know what I'm saying? That's that's not how it works. Even in even in the modern era, even a viral video takes a couple of days. You know, a couple hours sometimes, right? Uh, yeah.
0: No, no, and that, that's what I tell anybody, man. I I go, you have to make it work. You have to take time. You have to grind. You may you're going to get a lot of failures in this industry before you get a lot of successes,
3: <laughs> and that's For the sure. truth. That's facts. And,
0: and I have been kicked in the teeth as a photographer, been like, yeah, boy, you, you sit back down. What? You know, it, it's just like, what am I doing and what am I doing wrong here? And then once you learn, you get under some old dogs, like, you know, we've kind of become salty. And what we do, you start learning and teaching. So what, what's led you to the teaching aspect of the young cats and wanting to produce them and, and we're going down that path.
3: And th- that's where I'm at now. Um, that was kind of like the premise of uh, Artists Helping Artists when I started the company was basically to take all of the knowledge and contacts that I have and have made over the years and um, help uh, uh, a new artist, an up-and-coming artist, like either either get to ex- where I've been or blow past where I've been. You know what I'm saying? Um and uh uh excuse me that's been the goal you know what I'm saying is to start working on the next generation i've always had it in the back of my mind see at a very at a young age uh when i first started in this music stuff that i can't be in the spotlight or front and center forever right so at some point i'm going to have to you know uh, not not fade to black fade to the background you know what i'm saying so to speak but um, I'm going to have to make some efforts to uh, help push the next ones, uh, next generation. And so um, I started learning how to do uh, uh, mixing and uh, mastering. I learned how to do, you know, the graphic design. So, and now I'm just teaching all everybody this stuff, teaching people how to do these things or giving them the game on uh, what they can do and what they should avoid and whatnot.
0: In a way, you're kind of building your own team is what you're telling me.
3: Uh, I mean, it's still, it's still, at the end of the day, it's still me. I, I still rock solo. I mean, I have people that uh, I, um, like, I do projects with or, you know, I do business with, whatever. But um, I'm, uh, I, I've been independent for 15-something years, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that, that mentality is hard to shake. But I know I do, I do recognize the importance of having, you know, a, a quote-unquote team. Um, uh, backing me. But the thing that, like, I'm, I'm, I know myself too well, right? I know myself too well. And I know that I can work with the team for a relatively short period of time because at some point there are, are agendas, right? Everybody's got their own agenda, right? And what, what I've seen over the past few years is that um, at a certain point, when our my agenda and whoever's agenda clashes, you know what I'm saying. Uh, we tend to uh, we tend to uh, part ways. You know what I'm saying. So I'm okay with being like solo uh, and 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 doing things on my own. And on on the occasion when I feel that it's necessary, I'm going to reach out to one of my contacts. You know what I'm saying, or that I've met over the years. Like like I don't do photography anymore. I did at one point, right. But if I need photography done, you know what I'm saying, I have people that I can reach out to like you. You know what I mean?
0: No, no. And that that's the old method of, you know, you have to have somebody of a trade that you know, right. like the old mechanic or the old uh, butcher uh, or the old tailor whatever. You know, you have to have somebody of all trades that are going to help you because, yeah, you can do it. But we don't right. have time for all
3: that. Exactly. That's what I, exactly. Like, uh, like I was, I was telling this, uh, this artist earlier, you know what I'm saying? I said, um, I said, let's say, let's say, for example, like you take $1, right? You make you earn a dollar. And, and if you have a, if you have a, you know, an agent or, a, um, uh, manager or your producer and all these things, like every, every person that you add to the team takes, uh funds off of that dollar like you know what I'm saying so you you want to pay everybody you want to with like 60 cents per dollar right and that's right. cool you can do that you can absolutely do that and if you don't have time or energy to do all those things I would highly recommend that you hire someone to do that but the more stuff you can do on your own uh the more the more the uh, the, the pie that you can take in, into uh your organization And uh, uh, or be able to help other people with.
0: No, I I can totally agree to that. Um, For me, it's getting to a point where it's like I'm phasing out of photography. I love I love doing photography. It's like one of my favorite things in the world to do. But my first passion is journalism as a whole. And writing and doing that is still very relevant in my life. But my personal passion was podcasting and being on the radio. Right. And, you know, little did we know we'd be sitting here, and I'm, I'm now taking on managing and booking. So that's taking up some of my time as well. But it's allowing me to meet new artists and allowing right. me to, to connect in a different way. Now, if I'm at a show, am I going to take my camera? You're damn right.
3: Why wouldn't I? <laughs> right, for sure. It,
0: it's kind of like you. If you're at a show, you're probably going to step up and say, let me show you something for a
3: track. Let, let yeah, me show absolutely. you. Like, when I, when I go to the shows, like, I'll, I'll have my business cards, you know what I'm saying? And on my business cards, this got all my, you know, all the stuff that I do, I'm passing those out. Or if I'm on, I'm on stage performing, like, one of the last things I'll usually do before I end my set or at some point through my set, I'll make an announcement to all the artists that are there. Let them know that I have a radio show on FM Radio in Seattle. If you got clean music, you know what I'm saying? Send it to me. I'll play that stuff, you know what I'm saying? No cost. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just do the, the things that I know that I can do that aren't going to take too much of my energy and focus away from, you know, uh, the goals that I have.
0: No, and I agree to that. So on the back end on that radio note, um, give me a chance to plug the radio station that we're on. We're on Shady Pines Media, uh, their radio network. So ShadyPinesMediaRadio.com. And if, if you don't, if you have clean or unclean music go ahead and send it my way as well because well we like that type of music too if you're from the Pacific Northwest or the regional areas just like our man real life let's do that
3: absolutely definitely
0: because we're all about supporting artists and I know that's a big thing about you and I that's the one reason I want to bring you on this podcast is for the simple fact that you support artists in such a big way what brought you to doing that
3: Oh man, Look, I'm glad you asked. Uh, so I've been I've been uh, making music and rocking shows for a hell of years now. Um, since at least since at least 2005, 2006. And when I first started, right? Um, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people in a lot of different places. But when I first started doing this music shit, uh, no one would like put me on their shows. You know what I'm saying? No one would like uh, uh let me hop into the studio, you know what I'm saying? No one would, uh, you know, I, I didn't get a lot of helping hands, right? I didn't get a lot of people extending their hand and trying to put me on, right? So I had to learn to do a lot by myself. I learned how to book um the venues and put on the concerts solo. I learned how to do the graphic designs um uh, mostly solo, you know what I'm saying? Like I tour, I, my first three tours I booked myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to do all this stuff on my own because I didn't have any anyone teaching me to do so. Right. And and although it it created the man that I am today, at the time, like it really like it pissed me off. It like really like kinda hurt me. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm just like a young, hungry artist trying to get on. And I'm like, none of the OGs, you know what I'm saying, are trying to trying to show me the ropes, right? So I had kind of just like this chip on my shoulder. You know what I'm saying? But not in a negative way, in a way that was like I don't want any other artist to come up and feel what I felt, you know what I'm saying? Or have to deal with the people that I dealt with. So I make it a point that when an artist comes to me, especially a new artist, when the artist comes to me, like I take time out of my day and sit with them and talk with them and, and give them any kind of knowledge that I can give them or answer any kind of questions that they may have. And, and in the hopes that when they walk away from this conversation, you know what I'm saying, that they're going to realize that, hey, someone actually out here gives a fuck, you know what I'm saying, someone actually out here supports one of these uh, quote-unquote old heads out here actually supports what West Young Cats are doing, you know what I'm saying, like, that's that's my goal, and that's that's kind of what led me into Artists Helping Artists, you know what I'm saying, is if if I had the support, I feel like this, like, obviously, I don't know for certain, but if I had the support, you know what I'm saying, early on, I would be a lot further In my career than I am now You know what I'm saying But I had to learn everything Through trial and error
0: Oh no no I I get that too Because so Similar thing I was in college I was the journalist Writer I did sports media Which was cool And I was on the radio And I was trying to I was trying to get my 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 fill Trying to learn how to get the ropes No old cat where I lived Would not put me on But would not give me a chance To go on their show I had a couple of cats. Give me, give me a shot. Moved away. Went, came back, you know, and I started taking, started taking pictures of music. Same sort of thing, until I kind of fell in with some people who started showing me the ropes. But it, it taught me to be like, wow, I need to help artists because they kind of had the same experience I did growing up. Was they, they weren't put on. They, they weren't, they, they weren't helped. It was like you had to find your own way. And they, they got tired of seeing it, and then it taught me the way of, like, I need to help young artists as well. And that's right. why I take young young photographers under my wing. Uh, right. I, I do graphic design if they want to learn podcasting. Uh, I, I want to help them because I remember what it was like. I remember exactly. exactly what it felt like to be told, you're not good enough to be here. You don't need to be here. I remember paying covers. Right.
3: And
0: sne- sneaking my camera in <laughs> <to prove> my <laughs> And then
3: nah, like, what you- you're absolutely right, man. It's like uh the it was a whole lot of cast like that too. You know, you're not you're not good enough to, to rock with me, you know what I'm saying? I don't think you're you're worthy of even my time, right, to, to communicate with you about nothing, you know what I'm saying? So like for me it's very important that um you know that uh for me, it's very important that i I take time and make effort to help the next guy or girl uh out in any way that I can like on on the radio show like I've had damn near every rapper from Tacoma and Seattle come through you know what I'm saying to do interviews you know what i mean i I play their music constant rotation you know what I mean uh I shout them out, you know, they, and, and shout them out, and in, in, I've been featured in some magazines. I just recently got uh, featured in uh, One World Magazine with uh, E40 on the cover, right? And in, in the, in the, uh, you know, the the interview questions, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I shouted out, you know what I'm saying? Seven, seven got a shout out in there in the magazine. My producer got a shout out in the magazine. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's it's just. Giving some shine to other cats, you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't feel like I don't feel bad about it, doing it at all. I don't feel like it takes away from me at all, so you know what I'm saying? So I'm more than happy to make sure that uh, I sprinkle some of the shine that I get onto my people so they can get also, you know what I mean?
0: Oh, no, I feel that. Because in the wrestling business, they would call that the rub. You're giving the other wrestler the rub because you want them to look good. You don't want them to, to be horrible. You want them to be brought up. And that, that's what music helping, uh, you know, should be helping people do. Good night. And, and my, my big thing is, and I, my, my big thing is, is how I got my break, break was I fell over a hay bale. And the media guy needed help, and he saw I had a camera. That's how I got <laughs> my break.
3: That's funny.
0: At a festival that I snuck my camera into. Right. Think about and, that.
3: You know, nah, that that's 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 real. Uh, like I said I think it's important, you know, that we look after the next generation in any way that we can.
0: Sure. Dude, you sound like you're in a busy place.
3: Where are you headed? Um, at first I was just walking around. Now I'm in the uh... shop
0: This is what I love about my podcast i can take it anywhere and people will go with me and doing this, it's amazing you are you're killing me my man it's awesome
3: (laughs) i just got the lady at the counter said get off your phone (laughs) so yeah uh my bad apologize about that yeah i was actually uh, i get out the house and It was starting to get a little uh, hot in there i just walked around the block while i was talking to you
0: oh no no man i, I appreciate you coming on the podcast uh i know we all have our needs in this time of uncertainty <laughs> and you know another like i I've, I've been shouting my like i've been really heavy on instagram lately and i've been shouting out my unofficial beer sponsor actually out of battleground washington uh Barrel Mountain Brewery, No Bad Days IPA, so I feel you having to go get your needs filled. So, uh, no, I appreciate you coming on to Powerhouse man. We've had a great conversation, and I would love to have you on because we've, like, burnt in a solid hour of time. I didn't even realize. I look up at my counter, I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> real life, and I got onto a, a
3: kit. So, final. So- Many, there's so many more things to touch on you know what I'm saying so I th- definitely would uh, like to do this again you know what I'm saying and oh, return love,
0: you know. oh yeah I, I'm all about showing love um, the one thing about this podcast is we always play a track after it uh, after the interview uh, do you have a track that you would love to give up that you, you would you'd love to plug because I know you've been working hard probably
3: on your own since you've been in uh, anything special I, I, I'm uh, I'm sitting on a few songs. I have not released anything. I'm actually still promoting um Perspective for at least another month. I'm gonna be promoting that um before I uh drop any uh, any uh, full projects. But I do have a um a single out called homage. Uh it's called homage, excuse me. Uh and then I have um the Black Privilege uh video song that I'm still pushing as well too.
0: Perfect. Uh, we'll we'll link up after after this interview, I'll, I'll snag those and uh, we'll put this all together. And man, this track will be amazing. And I, I look, whatever I put out there, I know it's going to be great because you're, you're a true uh, showman. And again, uh, I want to tell my lounge listeners I, I, I can't thank real life enough. This has been an enjoyable interview, one of the best I've had in a long, long time. Uh, all my interviews are, are really good. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to consistency from a producer and someone who's been around the business a really long time, this is where young cats will want to sit down and take the time and sit back
3: because. Nah, I agree. And if uh, if if any artists want to pick my brain, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Get at me. I'm 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 fairly easy to reach. You know what I mean? And uh, um, um, again, like I said, I'm happy to help in any way that I can.
0: How do we reach you? How, how do they reach you if they want to find you? Because I, I know for me, it's fairly easy because you have a, a connection. But for those right, who do have right, to connect right. with you, how do they get at you?
3: Uh, so the the easiest way to get at me is on um, either Facebook or Instagram. It's uh, Real Life Two Five Three on uh, Facebook. That's R E A L I F E two five three, and then uh, on Instagram, actually had a, actually uh, I had to start a new page on Instagram because some joker hacked me a few weeks ago. Uh, so on Instagram, I'm under uh, Artists Helping Artists, um, and just message me. You know what I'm saying? And any anything I can help you with? If I can help you, I will be more than willing to. And if I can't, I'll try my best to point you to someone who can help you.
0: Man, it, I, I love talking to you, and you and I are going to definitely link. I've I've got some resources for you that I'll share with you, some new connects, and uh, we'll we'll have you back on because there's a lot more to talk about. I, I know this quarantine stuff, and you know, by the time this is released, hopefully we're out of it, but we're, it's a whole new uh, frontier for music. So I hope you're a part of it, and I know you will be. I hope this doesn't keep you down. This coronavirus is BS, man. But I know for sure at the end of the day, no matter the circumstance, you're always welcome to take a seat in the lounge with me.
3: I appreciate it, man. Uh look, I'm I'm not down, I'm upbeat. I know there's nothing I can do as far as the virus goes, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just putting myself in position for what's next after this. So I, I recommend any artist that's listening do the same thing, focus on what's next. Don't worry about all the canceled shows and all that all the stress that's going on right now. There's nothing we can do about that.
0: Dude, thank you so much, man. And I, I I'll talk to you soon. Yeah.
4: Nigga out here stopping my shine, no way. And if a motherfucker thinking that he can, then the boy crazy, yeah. I done put in all the sweat, can a nigga ever say maybe? May. Nah, nah. get from the bottom, to real life. Now you motherfuckers gotta pay me. Homage. I've seen a few wins, walked a couple red carpets, yeah. been traveled around the country as an artist. Surreal. Done some hole in the wall shows, rocked a handful of festivals. Man, this any life would go the hardest. I bled and sweat for this, broke yeah. bread in this. Yeah. yeah, my passions burned deep, not a hobbyist. Lost a few friends and family since the path was chosen. Started doing best for me, now I'm on a road. Ain't a nigga out here. Stopping my shine, no way And if a motherfucker thinking that he can Then the boy crazy, yeah I done put in all the sweat, Can a nigga ever say, may may Nah, nah, came from the bottom to the top Now you motherfuckers gotta pay me Homage. I done came a long way from where I started in the game, yeah, rapping in the basement, the dark side days, yeah, cruising through the hood with the bike brigade, uh. cowabunga dude always served a different way. known in different sexes, respected cause I respect them, treat the king like a king and the queen like she came from heaven, i will be damned if I need then what I know right now, uh. be on the yacht taking shots with a smile and a money pack. Hey, the nigga out here, stopping my shine, no way, and if a motherfucker thinking that he can, then the poor crazy, yeah. I done put in all the sweat, can a nigga ever say? may. die, may? die. Nah, nah. Get from the bottom to the top. Now you motherfuckers gotta pay me. Homage.
0: And I'm paying you homage right now, my friend. Uh, I thank you again for coming on the Powerhouse Lounge. Uh, that was real life. That was homage. And man, that's a cool track. That that's you know. It's, the tracks I've played today have been short, but they've been impactful. And that's the one thing. It's not about the size of the track or the length of the track or what's being you know spit or talked about in the track. It's about the content overall and the message you're overall trying to bring. You can have the most political of songs, but your message doesn't mean jack, pal, if uh, it doesn't have the body to it. It doesn't have, like, what you're trying to get at. And each of the songs that I have played today get to that point. They drive it home. More or less, don't beat around the bush. Get to your point. Get in, get out. You know, and uh, make a good song. That I mean, that's what they're overall doing. I mean, I'm not saying that all songs are, are bad songs because they're not. And, I mean... For me to even really think about it as a idea of good and bad, it's just overall content. The content of what is being talked about or sung about or rapped about, whatever it is. So thank you again to my two guests, Knack1, Real Life. Check them out on all their social medias. Uh, you know. You can find find them on Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, Bandcamp. However, you need to find them, find them. Check out their music. Always check out my work over at James Kemp Photography on Instagram, uh, the Powerhouse Lounge on Instagram, uh, Powerhouse Music Management, uh, Powerhouse Music uh, You can always email me at james at Powerhouse Music MGT. Uh, com, And, you know, just give me your feedback. Give me artists you'd like to see on the show. Give me all of that. I'm very accessible. Please, please, please reach out. Hopefully uh, here in the future or if not by now, we should have our Facebook up and going. And that will be going real, real soon, if not already. Uh, just be keeping your ears out for that. Now, I want to thank my wonderful sponsors once again. Fat Bull Clothing, FatBull.com out of Arcata, California. Also, I want to thank them and their new uh, cannabis farm, Fat Bull Farms, for you know providing quality cannabis goods to the Northern California, the California, and the Chicago area. Man, I can't wait to get Fat Bull Farms up here uh, in the Washington area. They're great cannabis. They're great medicine, and that's what they specialize in—the medicinal side of things. Um, it's about the healing properties, my friends, and they're they're great for that. So Fatball Farms, thank you again to them, and Fatball Clothing over in Arcada. Uh, they're one and the same. They're the, the owners are the same: Christopher Boa, Brian Swislow, um, you know, Art Director Lauren for Fatball Clothing. All of them. Can't can't thank them enough. Austin Randall, Austin Randall Music, uh, you know Rock Academy, PDX. Also, this wonderful, wonderful beer that I do drink, my unofficial beer sponsor, Barrel Mountain Brewery, where beer and adventure meet. They're no bad days IPA, that wonderful 6.3. It, it's just wonderful. And if you ever make your way up to Battleground or you check them out online, give them a call. They'll 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 sell you their beer. It's worth it. It's worth the the price per six pack. I mean, I I, I did it the other day. I continue to do it. I'm trying to keep local businesses in in business, man. Uh, also, I can't thank enough Brian and Callie and all the technical crew here at the Shady Pines Radio and r- ShadyPinesRadio.com. I mean, I can't thank them enough every day. It's amazing to be a part of this radio station, part of this online world, and being a part of this online world is taking care of our own. So right after this program, be sure to listen to the Shady Pines open mic with Brian and Callie. Again, I want to thank all of you. I love all of you lounge listeners. You're wonderful. I can't thank you enough for making the show happen. And until we meet again, I am your host, James Kemp. And we will be talking with more great artists on the next episode. So until then, take care.